welcome to Exploring the Marketplace podcast. My co-host is Bob Hassan, and we are creating a conversation with Christian marketplace leaders who have careers that have been impacted by their faith. We are also answering your questions about entrepreneurship, business leadership, careers, and how the kingdom of God changes your impact in the marketplace. Come join the conversation now. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. I'm here with my co-host, Bob Hassan. I'm Sean Bowles, and we're leading you into conversations about what God's doing through people in their faith in the marketplace. And today's guest, Bob, this is Tommy Green, who I wanted to introduce you to for a long time, because yeah. I know how much you love hardcore music. And he's the lead <laughs> singer of a hardcore band called Sleeping Giant, which is wow. legendary. I know this is this is right up your alley. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the music's not that you're going to love Tommy, because yeah. Tommy has pivoted from his music career after 12 years, they ended up changing. And it was a ministry group that also did mainstream touring and music and was known throughout the world. And I mean, everywhere wow. in the world, Germany, South Africa, they were known in their hardcore scene. And he had to make a pivot into working in uh, real estate as well as doing ministry at the same time. And we get wow. to hear the story about that transition point and also things he's doing with anti-human trafficking as well as a new social media brand that's coming out right now. So it's really exciting to hear somebody who's made a huge transition and to hear the story behind the transition. I think it's really gonna help our listeners. I can't wait. Coming up next, Tommy Green. The most important book I've ever written is coming out. It's coming out on February 22nd through bowlsministries.com. You can get a copy. It's called Encounter. And this book is going to prepare you for what God's doing now in the upcoming move of God that's imminent, that God's shown me. And I believe this book is going to help people to come into their assignment and the greater works we're called to. You can get the book now. And if you get it, if you pre-order it in this time frame, you're going to get a free e-course. If you pre-order a wholesale cost of three, five, or 10 books, you also are going to get the e-course and a prayer prophetic ministry appointment. We're going to pray for you as a team and believe in God's greatness in you. We need people who've had encounters to be raised up right now and see the greatness of Jesus through their calling. So go to bowlsministries.com and pre-order today. Welcome to Exploring the Marketplace. And I'm so excited about our guest today. Of course, Bob Hassan is here co-hosting with me. Hi, Bob. Hey, Sean. We have Tommy Green. You can see him right here. Tommy, yeah. you're on with us. Hi, Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so glad you're here. You know, you've been on my other podcast, Explain the Prophetic, but I wanted to bring you on the Marketplace podcast with Bob because you are a guy who's both in ministry, but you also have had an eclectic background, mostly in the arts and music. You've done acting now, as well as you're a real estate agent and starting with a new social media company. So I think this is going to be a really awesome, I mean, incredible interview for our audience. So thanks for being on today. Well, thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Well, Tommy, where are you located? Um, I live in Salt Lake City, Bob. Oh, that's the most beautiful place in the world. So glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy loves it. He's like, someone's complimenting my city. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. I'll go out publicly and talk. And it sounds like this. Hey, my name is Tommy Green. Me and my wife, Chrissy, we live in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Why, thank you. And there's like nothing. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I wish you guys could see it. It's really nice here. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tommy... I'd love to ask you a question. I heard your uh, exploring the prophetic uh, podcast, which was so, so emotional. And, yeah. but here you've transitioned into business. And I always, I like to talk about the sacred versus the secular. You were in the church, you were in ministry, and now here you are transitioning over into the marketplace. And yeah. how has it been in your mind and your heart as you transitioned over in your relationship with God? Yeah. Uh, I, I will say this, um, 
I was in a, a Christian band. I was preaching. The, the reason that I was in the band was as a vehicle to share Jesus with my culture, yeah. the culture that I came from. And so everything that Chrissy Green and me were into, it was always about, we were second chance kids. We, we had been, he's been so cool to us, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so to share what you love and to actually be able to do that is so cool. Cause in the ministry world, you meet people that their passion is to do ministry all the time. And for whatever reason, the platform or the doors just don't open like, yeah. like they want to. And so right. to be in that position for 12 years in the meantime is so awesome. Like to preach and tour and travel and have access and conversations with amazing people, such a gift. And that's all I ever wanted. When I got saved, it was like, I've used my voice wow. and my life for everything else. And, and just to be honest, when Jesus chose me, um, I was so like nothing that mm -hmm. I, I just was like, if you want me, you can have me. Like, I won't talk about anything else. And that was my commitment was just like, I'm about you. I'm ride or die for the rest of my life. This is it. And so to be completely in and then to get to a point in the band where I could see the band was, was meant to end. Chrissy Green and me have kids now. We have four but we have little kids. My oldest daughter at this point was like 15, 16 years old. And just realizing this isn't going to last. Almost mm -hmm. hoping that there'd be these like ministry opportunities where I would get done preaching and someone would come up and go, Hey man, I've been waiting for you or something. And it's like, and here is your dream. Like I just had no idea how I was meant to keep going. Yeah. And so to be honest with you, I, the Lord gave me a series of dreams and the most prominent was uh, because it was heartbreaking. That's what I'm trying to say. For yeah. people that are going to hear this, that are committed to the kingdom, they're giving their time and talents to ministry, but they're going to be led into a place that's called transition out. Mm -hmm. It's like mm -hmm. the death of a dream. And if you really dream of ministry and you have connection with people and then you have to make a change. I'm just telling you, it, it, it was grief. It, it was, was grieving for me for years. And so it took the Lord because, uh, so I had a dream that I, I met President Obama in a grocery store hmm. and he, he was doing a book signing and I showed up in this line and uh, I get to the front of the line and he's signing these books. I looked at him and I'm like, Hey man, I don't have one of your books. And he, uh, he looked up at me like what? And I turned and ripped a piece of cardboard off of like an end cap of like paper towels or something. <laughs> this is something Tom would really do, Bob, just so you know. Yeah, and, and <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. put it, in, I put it in front of him and he looked at me in the dream, like the, pre, you know, he looked at me and looked up and then he said, tell the secret service. I said, this was okay. And he signed his name and gave it to me. Oh, and I walked out of the store and then I popped out of the dream. And, and the, I used to be so terrified in the, the night as a young kid. Mm -hmm. that I swore off dreaming almost like I would just shut it down. Mm. And when I got saved, I started dreaming again. And so dreams have been really important to me in wow. my life journey. It's what led me out to Utah. I knew it was happening because of dreams. So every time there's been a significant change in my life, I have a dream with the president um, wow. or a dream at the White House because it feels like it's a governmental change in my life. So when I moved from California to Utah, I had a dream. I was in the White House and I was given my marching orders and I turned and walked out. 
and then I had three more that led me to Utah. Hmm. When what I had those dream, dream, what did it actually mean? Yeah, so I I popped out of the dream and I went and talked to a mentor of mine and said I had this dream. The pre, it was a president, so it was like I think it's a change dream, and um, he had two books that he wrote: the audacity of hope and dreams of my father. Hmm. And I had just gotten back from New Zealand and I'd been given a prophetic word in New Zealand that there was something in my father's family line that had hmm. been sort of dropped. And if I was willing to find it, it could be treasure for me. And my family was a really big deal in the Bay Area uh, many years ago. They helped to build parts of San Francisco. Wow. And someone wrote a book about my family. Wow. And I called that man and said, can I have a copy of this book? And and at a certain point in 1905, my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather and some other dudes helped to build what's called the Parkside Realty Development Company. And it was just before the 06 earthquake burned a huge segment of the city. Um, and they actually donated that land for a short season as uh, temporary housing on the sand dunes. It wasn't developed yet. Right. That neighborhood is now called the Parkside. And my wow. family was a part of building that. And so when I saw real estate, I thought, I'm going to go into this, a dream, a dream of my father, something that was part of our family. And then I had this dream with President Obama where he made an exception for me in the marketplace. And wow. that was the only reason I felt like I could have permission to leave. It's going to mess me up because like legit, all I want to do, all I want to do is tell people how awesome Christ is, right? So I'm like, hmm. yo, you got to do something because otherwise I'm going to stay broke and suffering and I can't do that to my kids. Like, I, I don't know what else to do. And so I got this exception to leave what was my dream. So just wow. be sharing and preaching, to talk about the Bible, to share about Christ. That was it for me. Like, that's really it. And yeah. so to, to be asked or like shown that you have to make a change so hard, especially in a culture where you can see so many people that seem to be succeeding, right? And like what it looks like versus what it is is different. But to me, that's what it was. It was grieving mm -hmm. the death of what I would say is like being disappointed out of a small vision. Yeah. Um, but it feels like it's your whole world when it's happening. Wow. Wow. I just think, you know, I, I knew during that transitional time and watching you do that and just embrace it and say, I'm going to, I'm going to go after this. I know, um, you know, anyone who's in transition, especially when you allow God to lead the process. And we talk about that a lot in our book that we have wired to hear. It's, mm -hmm. it's hard to let God lead your process because oh. he leads you through a lot of stuff you don't want to do much like a parent sometimes asks you to do a bunch of chores or things you do. They oh. want you to do. And you're Gosh. like, I don't get it. I don't want to, I, like when you're six, it doesn't make sense no. why you're doing all extra stuff. Yes. If you've changed my routine. Why have you changed me? Why are you doing this? But then the fruit of it, and you're starting to walk towards the fruit of it, even though there's been a lot, yeah. even in a season, there's been a lot of hard things. Oh, yeah. You walk towards the fruit of it. And it's so, it's so cool to see the fruit of it now, even with a lot of the real estate investments you and Chrissy yeah. have made and like a lot of yeah. the, just the things that you've done and setting yourself up with yes. God has been, I think, really wow. inspirational for a lot of the other people. Because you, you minister to a lot of ministers. You influence a lot of people who want to do ministry. Mm. And then watching you make this transition, too, where it's like, no, real estate oh. isn't second class. God actually appointed it, too. I don't get it, yeah. but I'm starting to get it. I think that's I'm gonna huge. Say, I'll say this, too, Sean. And I, I say this. Um, we went through a really horrific uh, church closure. The mentors that I, me and Christy Green were serving under out here had their church shut down by the division. 
just a political kind of thing that happened in the denomination. It wasn't anyone's fault. It just happened. And I watched a mentor that had been here in Utah planting churches since the 80s. Wow. And they shut down overnight. And and Chrissy and I were sort of the heir apparent of that church. Everyone in the division, everyone was like, you're going to make the transition and give this to Tommy and Chrissy, right? And I had a whole community of young people that were like, we're going to get a new home and it's going to be a place for us. It was almost like an inheritance. And then it's gone. And I watched mm-hmm. my mentor say to me, Tommy, I wish I would have had a more marketable skill because right. there's been many times in ministry where all I knew how to do was preach the Bible. And I just remember thinking, I'm setting myself up that same way. Oh Mm. my gosh, I have to get a more marketable skill or I'm going to suffer the same fate where everything I build is for God. But dude, when you're a pastor and you've invested everything, there's a sense of like, this is also mine and to have it gone. And, And the difference between like working for someone and owning something, very yeah. different. Having actual equity in a thing is different than just having a high paying job, whether that's a paying significance or income or visibility or platform. It was in that season that I went, I am not going to work for other people to own my future mm-hmm. if I can help it. Mm-hmm. And so moving to an equity mindset that said, I'd rather get paid a little bit. I'd rather do the work and get paid a little bit for the rest of my life then just get paid once and then have to walk away. Like I wanted to, I wanted to create wealth, which was options. And I don't have that in this world. And look what happened to this guy. So for a lot of people, they are thinking success looks one way. I'm just telling you guys, there's a lot of people out there, they think they own their job. And they do not. And, and you're like a couple steps away from losing everything. And, and so please pivot and begin to have that different like wealth mindset of I need to actually create something that I own. And I need to do that a few times because that's, I think what defines a lot of wealthy people are they have streams of income. They have options coming from multiple sources in their life. And if they don't create that, there may be one or two things. If that goes away, I think that's why pastors struggle so much is Mm because if they fail, everything fails. Right. And it's just terrifying. And so I think that diversity, maybe mentality can be really good for people. If, if you just have a good job, start a side hustle. If you've got a job in one side hustle, maybe do something else too. <laughs> like create a few different ways to gain revenue because most people in America, they look okay, but they're like a paycheck or two away from being in serious trouble. Yeah. And so that was just part of the shift is watching a mentor go through that and realizing, I think what he's doing is so valuable and I would build my life like that and then watching it be taken away and feeling like there's something to learn here. Tommy, that's not going to work for you. So that was part of what also, it was like watching the wisdom of a father, dreams of my father. It was like watching a father go through it and then realizing I need to suffer leaving now so I don't suffer leaving then. Because it was, does that make, it was like I had to choose to leave ministry early because the system of ministry is not designed to actually fulfill that long-term wealth need in my life. I'll yeah. either bastardize it or I will prostitute the gift to create something that it's not meant to do. So I need to make my own money so I can do the thing I want to do. And, and it was I feel so like this is like a micro sermon that we need to give every ministry school student. Right <laughs> Seriously. Because I think of it like, I you know, I just, my, my mentor when I was first growing in the, the ministry, 
he said, Sean, um, I'm going to teach you how to be independently financial, financially successful so that you never get into the trap of needing someone to give you support or needing somebody to needing a church to define you or control you or needing a group. Because what happens is so many people get locked in because their ministry skills are what earn them a position or finances. And then they get locked into these weird roles if they're not the senior pastor. So he said, I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to, I'm going to help you. And I remember just through the years, I would have friends who would send out the needy support letters, not the good ones, but the needy ones are like, we're now going to fail as a whole family. We have these medical bills. We have everything else. Yeah. And can you help us? And I, I remember rescuing a few friends and helping people and getting the word out and the whole thing and going, I'm so glad in my foundation that there was something in me where my mentors, like several of them said, become financially independent, do the side hustle, like work really hard. And I don't, and I've been in ministry for 27 years as my primary, but I've always had a something on the side as well, minus a couple of years here and there during recession and stuff. But I just think that that's so valuable what you're saying for anybody, whether you're in a ministry or a career, there's something about um, building correctly. And I, the Bob's really helped us too yeah. through our, our relationship with Bob, but wow, wow what a, what a statement. Yeah. yeah, that was part of the transition, Bob. That was, it was learning to do, it was having God invite me into something because I needed it to be a God story. Otherwise I wasn't going to do it. I would have yeah. stayed and suffered. That was my commitment is like, it's me and you. Yeah. And if you're not a part of every part of this, I don't even know what to do with myself. I was so lost without feeling his leadership. But then mm-hmm. I, I was led into this like heartbroken place. And so I kept thinking for the first four years that I was doing real estate, um, is this okay? Like I, I would, I literally would feel so bad. I'd go and sit with my broker and go, I made more doing a few real estate transactions in the, in the last month. I actually made more in one month than I made in three months or six months. I made my year's income in one month. Is wow. someone going to stop me? And he looked at me, he's like, no, man, like, it's okay. But I had such a, I had no idea how else to, I didn't know what my value was. Like, Sean, like you're saying, I was a minister person. My value was a passion for Jesus and communicating. That was it. I was, I was only good at being rescued and bragging about it. That was it. And so, (laughs) right. Like that's, that was my, and that's my role, right? Like I'll be that guy. So I, it took me four years of actually creating value in the marketplace to realize, wow, I was so ignorant to the the rules kind of, of yeah. the game. I was so ignorant to standing on stage and looking at working people and speaking stuff out that was not true. Like, right. it's not going to work. And so uh, I, I was grateful for that in terms of learning to create value in the marketplace and then and I, and I hear the, the fact that you, ha- you needed God to lead you on that journey, which I think is really, yeah. that's humble. That's actually not bad. That's not oh, codependent no. or weird. That's, that's humble. I love that he did. And so like, codependent on Jesus. Please help me. Totally. And he did. And it's, and it's still, and you're still in process. I think so many people who are yeah. listening or watching you guys, I know many of you who are our, our viewers and listeners, you're going through transitions and you're praying into the future and, and God wants to lead you. And that's one of the big points of this. Tommy, I know Bob and I, um, you know, Bob's heard this story through the podcast and I'm going to leave the question to you, Bob, how to ask it about the certain circumstance because part of your pivot is literally a pivot. I mean, it's like literally that's the name of the company. But part of that happened because of a story of one of the girls who pursued you Mm -hmm. on why you were still in Sleeping Giant, the band you were a part of. 
And Bob, I don't know how you want to ask the question. But I'm, I'm going to let you lead us into this kind of discussion because we have a few minutes left, and I think it's an important one. Well, you know, Tommy, I, d I don't really know how to ask the question because it, it's such a remarkable story. But why don't you why don't you tell us, tell our listeners and viewers, how this whole thing happened that got you just mm. got you straightened into this whole human trafficking thing? Yeah. Um. Well, I, I remember your guys' reminder to be present. So for the listeners uh, that are going to hear this, uh, my wife, Chrissy, and I were contacted by an at-risk youth. Um, and, and her family was really falling apart. So we got her taken out of that situation. And she was basically at like a group home while her family was kind of blowing apart, 15 years old. Wow. And... uh over the Christmas holiday <clears throat> of that year, uh, a family member broke, like essentially showed up at the organization with a man posing as a lawyer and kidnapped her out of that organization mm -hmm. and sold her for whatever, for money, for drugs, whatever it was. And she was found three days later at a bar, a brothel kind of bar with like 14 other girls. So it went from just trying to help someone that was at risk to, oh my gosh, this is this like criminal, crazy human trafficking story. Um, we attempted to get her to a safe place. And the whole time as her family was blowing up, Chrissy and I were like, we will take you. you why does no one want you? You're like this precious human. And so we were literally in talks with the organization. Can we adopt her? Can we make her part of our family? And uh, she was so badly abused after this experience that she ended up uh, getting really sick and passing away. Uh, some months later, I was actually at a huge uh, convention. This will make people laugh, but I was at a Tony Robbins convention. I'd been given a ticket to this thing. And so I was standing in the hallway and Chrissy said, did you get that email? She called me and I said, I didn't see it. I opened the email and it was another girl. And she said, I'm sorry, my English is not good. I was given your email address on a scrap of paper from this girl when we were rescued like over a year and a half ago. And so one of the other survivors hit us up wow. and we mm -hmm. attempted to get her taken out of that situation. And in the healing of that, the detox, the, all this stuff she was going through, she left and went back to the system a few different times. Like it was the aftercare was so tragic for both of these people. Mm. Once they were taken out of one situation, it was like there wasn't a safe place for them to go. Wow. And that is the state of a lot of aftercare for mm. human trafficking victims in America and in other places. So Chrissy Green and I fell in love with, we need to solve this problem because it's really sexy to rescue people. But if we rescued all of them, there's not enough places for them to go. Right. And it's such a long-term process. It's not just a shattered body. It's a shattered mind. It's a shattered heart, shattered mm -hmm. self-image. There's all these issues. And so it's a long-term commitment to help people put their lives back together again. And so in 2018, I ran physically from the top of Utah to the bottom wow. to get attention because Chrissy is the real hero in this story. It, the story was so insane that I was ready to walk multiple times. And, and because it was just unbelievable, I was like, they're going to make fun of us, or they're just going to hit us up for money. But this is not real. There's no way that this is really happening. 
and in my work with other aftercare places and other trafficking combatants, they've said it's insane because the rules of this game are most of the time, the crazier the story, the more real it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's so upside down um, <clears throat> that so Chrissy believed this kid, I was ready to walk away. And if it wasn't for Chrissy being just such a, I mean, just a, like, she's my wife is such a gangster. She's so awesome. <laughs> it wasn't for her, like, hanging tough on this. I know we don't have the testimony. This is all about like a mom, like a mom's love for a, a girl and a, and a mother's love for these kids. And and so it's Chrissy's story, not my story. I was just like, let me run. And then you can tell the story. And it's been so traumatic. It's been so difficult to get that out. But we started an organization on the back of that run called Run Against Traffic. And, and we figured we could enlist the support of everyday people because the problem's so big how do people get involved? And we needed a pretty low barrier of entry. So the community would feel like, no, I know this is a problem. I know it's happening in the United States, and I'm going to do something about it too. And so we just thought we'd utilize community walks, runs, cycling, any event yeah. to help fund long-term aftercare in America. There's just not enough places. And it's, it's essentially to create a foundation that will do for long-term aftercare what the Lance Armstrong Foundation did through cycling for cancer research is create a war chest that will help all the good guys do their thing. And I don't want to do I I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a psychologist. I, I don't want to bring the trauma home to my like, I'm saying this, honestly, like I want to go home. And I want to make love with my wife. And I want to have a pure, like, view of sexuality. And there's such trauma and disaster in this world that I'm like, let the good guys do their thing. We just want to run and write checks. That's all we want to do. And so we want to fund the pros so they can do their thing. And that's what we've been trying to put together. And that kind of leads into um, how I became a part of a brand new social media platform. So, but that's kind of how Run Against Traffic started. It's, it, I would reference your show, Sean, the, the Exploring the Prophetic episode yeah, we did. Right. You were, that's what part of why we even reconnected is because there's a new thing happening for us. And I just went back to the people that supported us at the beginning and said, can, can I follow up? And so I would reference, if anybody wants to hear it, listen to the Exploring the Prophetic episode. When was that? I don't know when that was. <laughs> like, it was four years ago. It was in the second season. So I think it's yeah, like, yeah, know, a while ago. But you ago. can find it very easy just under Tommy Green. Well, I think the new social media company is really interesting because this was some friends of your brother who had passed away a few years ago and they showed up on your run yep. while you were running across Utah and they just with snacks and they just wanted to talk to you and pretty soon they start to share their business model with you, what they're trying to pull off. Yeah. And they have incredible builders behind their social media network. And the, the, the idea was to give the power back to the people on the network as opposed to yes. algorithm driven where everything's being forced on you or being fed to you. Actually, yep. you get to engage with what you're trying to engage with. And yeah. so when they started to draft you for this, at one point they came to you and they said, hey, we'll give you a dollar for everybody who downloads this program because we believe in anti-human trafficking so much yes. that we want to put a dollar into into your hand into I run against traffic's hand so that so that there could be some real bullets in this gun mm. and trafficking in your hand and then uh, through that you actually ended up becoming part of the founding group an owner yeah. and you're actually working on did you ever see yourself as a social <laughs> media platform guy no, because I like people. And I thought the internet wasn't real. Like the internet is not real. Like it's like, there's like two types of people. This is what Johnny G would say. People that comment on everybody's Facebook stuff 
and normal people. Like that was like, that's what I thought. Like it's like, and in my world, in our worldview, in the hardcore scene, the internet was not, the internet was where like fake people talked to each other. But like the scene was where we actually interacted. And so I just didn't, I'm not of that generation. And I didn't realize how real the internet was until we were contacted. And all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, like this is real. Like this world is real. Um, And what it's doing to people's mental health, to um, cultures and climates of people politically and religious. I mean, it's like, it's very real if people take it serious. I just was judging it. And to be (laughs) honest, over those last couple of years, we, we started the run. And then just for everybody to know, like, I'm on this journey, we're doing good. And over the course of those two years, my little brother passed away really suddenly. Mm-hmm. Chrissy's mom died of cancer. We had four miscarriages. Uh-huh. We had two other people die in our life. Like we just got hammered. And then the world goes into triage with the global pandemic. I mean, this, it was like, we have been reeling. And then it was as if really God was like, you can judge the internet, but all the trafficking that's happening on the internet, do you want to be a part of solving that? Or do you just want to judge it? And then boom, mm-hmm. this opportunity wow. to actually be at the tip of the spear and be a part of an independent company from these other big titans and actually take a stand culturally for mental health, for addiction issues, for veterans issues, for freedom of speech, for freedom, for you be you, I'll be me. And there's not going to be a corporate agenda, whether it's right, left or center. You're in charge of you and I'm in charge of me. And it's time for people to actually maybe have a better social media experience that's actually trying to change the world outside of social media. And so that was kind of like, yeah, we should do this. We should totally do this. Otherwise, I'm just going to be judging and I'm not going to be actually solving anything. Tommy, this your story of transformation is amazing. The fact that you got saved, that you served Jesus, that he transitioned you into the marketplace, that he's that he's given you a heart for human trafficking and aftercare. I mean, all of us need to listen to this to see what God can do in our lives and how he can do it if we're open. And even if we're afraid and yeah. going through the grieving process, wow. it's amazing. And our listeners are going to be so excited to hear this. And Tommy, your organization, uh, I run against traffic.com. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The organization's called run against traffic. Our website is I run against traffic. So this organization is going to get a dollar for everybody who downloads the free download at pivot P Y V O T T. Yeah. Download pivot. Tommy's organization gets money to be able to empower them against human trafficking. I'm going to encourage you even just to check it out. It's it's free for you. And it does. It's actually taking a bite-sized piece off of this issue. And we get hundreds of thousands of people to download this. It's going to make a huge difference in the budget of this world that Tommy's building with his wife, Christy. So please download pivot and stay in touch with Tommy at green. Tommy, what's the best way to track what you're doing? Oh man. Yeah. Just hit us up. Um, I run against traffic.com. Follow me on Pivot. It's just Tommy because I'm an OG. <laughs> and, uh, in general, it's just Tommy at Tommy Runs Pivot is my uh, Instagram handle. You can find me Tommy Green online. But um, just support Run Against Traffic, support Pivot. Tell all your friends, tell your homies. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Up next, questions with Sean and Bob. Everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry. They are helping us to bring the equipment to upgrade everything we're doing to have the time and space to do this. It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower, maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, 
I want to continue to do this. I want to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you and also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have, that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're going to receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have partnership contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on a journey with our partners because they are some of our, they're a team, they're our family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bowlsministries.com under giving and membership and you will become a partner. Okay, we're back with questions with Sean and Bob. Sean, are you ready for this question? I'm going to read it. Are you ready? I don't know how you feel about this because I think, you know, I don't know. Let me read this for you. Okay. What do you do when especially Christians, but also families and friends, expect not to be charged for your services? I have the heart to help, to give freely, but should I say no sometimes and draw a line? Oh, you and I both have answers for this one, but... Especially, you know, most of the people that I've consulted are independent contractors, they're artisans, or they're somebody who has a service, you know, kind of gift or ministry or job. And so in that, especially if they're an artisan, or if they're a writer, or if they're a musician, a a chef, a lot of times friends and family go, yes, I have this person linked to me, I can get free stuff, or I, I can get a discount or whatever it is. And people consistently who are your family members or friends or Christians are looking for the advantage. And a lot of times when you hear Christian in, in, in business, other Christians might think, oh, that means I'm going to get an advantage from them versus paying full price or paying a price, period. And I feel like this is one of the things we have to retrain in Christian culture that even when you look back in the Old Testament, the Jewish people weren't looking to get free stuff. They were looking to pay for a fair market value and get the best quality and get the best artisans or the best yeah. contractors or the best workers. And so they weren't looking at trying to just get the advantage of like, the, they haggled, they they looked for deals, but they weren't trying to get anything for free. They were trying to get the best quality. And I think we got to change the mindset of Christianity to go after things, whether it's your birthday party, you need a chef, or whether it's a painting in your house, or whether it's whatever it is, that you want the best quality, you don't want the best deal. The best quality has the best deal within it. And so I think for the person who's, um, you know, you're the resource and your friends and family and Christians are looking at you as a resource, knowing your menu of options and how much you charge is huge. Because I remember one of my famous stories is I have two artists in my church and one of them was paying, they were both paying on a Sunday. They both sold their, their paintings on that Sunday. One is a professional artist who teaches art and who's very well established. One has a huge master's in arts degree, but doesn't really do much with it yet. She didn't know what to do. So she just started doing this painting that when they painted and sold those paintings, I was in the houses of people who bought those paintings that weekend. One of them I went into, you know, for dinner, pre-dinner, and the painting was against the trash can. And I said, oh, is that so-and-so's painting? I love her stuff. Wait, why is it right here? And she goes, well, it doesn't really fit with our, our, you know, our decor. I realized I shouldn't have bought it. And it was only 60 bucks or 75 bucks. And I go, wait, <laughs> that has more than $75 worth of paint. And it's a mixed yeah. media, you know, art. That's worth a lot more than that. And and you're not just paying for that art piece. You're paying for her master's degree and for everything that she's involved with and her talent and her gifts. Like, don't dishonor the art. Let me take it with me. She's like, oh, yeah, you can have it. She just didn't understand. The other one, when the woman came up and asked the artist, how much is that art? She said, well, normally it's like $2,500 for one mm-hmm. of my paintings. And she goes, oh, I can never afford that. I've never bought art before. And she goes, 
can you give me a deal? And she goes, I'll pray about it, but it is 2,500. I mean, I might be able to mark it down like 10%, which to an average person might not sound like a lot, but that's a lot. Yeah. So later on, she came back and said, did you pray about it? She goes, yeah, I will give it to you for whatever the amount was. I think it was like $1,500, $1,000 off, which was significant. And the woman's like, oh my gosh, can I pay you in four installments? She's like, yes, you can. So when I got to their house, it was put in the most pristine place in the dining room. She goes, that is a Janet Hewn. Do you understand? Like that's <laughs> worth so much money. We've never spent money on art before. It's so amazing. It's so, and you know, it normally costs this much, but I got a deal and I'm so happy because my children will have this painting. Like there's a value given to it and added to it because the person knew how to evaluate themselves. Yeah, I so think you need to understand your evaluation before you go into situations or you will be taken advantage of by human nature default. Yeah. Um, now, my heritage, uh, as I grew up, I always negotiated and haggled for things. And I remember, oh, this has to be 35 years ago, I was getting one of my work vans worked on. And I went to this mechanic named Larry Denstedt. And it was, <laughs> it was like in an alley, you know, in his garage. And so <laughs> I started negotiating for, you know, how much it would be. And he looked at me and he goes, are you, are you a believer in Christ? And I said, yes. He goes, good. Then I'm going to charge you more than full price. And I know God's going to take care of you. so You can pay me. <laughs> That's amazing. And I laugh so hard. You know, it's a funny story, but at the end of the day, we want to support people that we love. Yeah. Whether it's friends or family, whether it's believers, we want, the blast. We want to support them. We want to bless yes. us. So I love your answer, Sean, and thank you so much for asking that question. And we love to answer your questions. Go to www.bullsministries.com, press the Ask Sean and Bob a Question button, and either write it down or record it, and we'll answer it. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Exploring the Marketplace podcast, part of the Exploring Podcast series. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider subscribing or even rating and reviewing so that more people can connect to us. Also, we'd love to be part of your spiritual journey, and we have amazing resources at our website, www.bowlsministries.com, B-O-L-Z ministries.com, including other free media, TV shows, books, and even an ongoing mentoring online platform. See you there.